The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Good morning, everybody. We were talking a little bit ago about how we've had so many Sundays that it's been raining that it's like, oh, wow, there's the sun, and this is how it feels to experience summer for today. So just buckle your seatbelts because I think we all know that there's probably some rain coming here in the in the next few days. But for now, let's enjoy uh, this weather. Um, some of you got convertibles out there, and a few of us are moderately jealous Others of us, um, I don't know, maybe you go, I don't want a convertible. Well, don't be sour. Just appreciate that somebody else has one. They can enjoy it. But uh, uh, hey, we're in a series called Once Upon a Time. I thought Evan did a great job last week talking about Job. And I encourage you, if you missed, yeah, if you missed that message, um, go back and listen. It really is encouraging. If you've ever read the book of Job, some of you thought it was the book Job and you thought it would help you get a job, but that's not what it is. So um, go back. Yeah, you're welcome. And uh, go back and, and listen to that message. He did awesome. But uh, today, we're going to jump in, and once upon a time, uh-oh, I just closed my notes. Let's try this again. Once upon a time, Jesus was hanging out by the Sea of Galilee, and as he walked near the shore, he encountered a couple of guys that were fishing all night long, and he gets into one of their boats, and he they, they set out a little ways and he speaks to the crowds. And after he's done speaking, he basically says, hey guys, let, let's go out and fish. And one of them says, you know, we've been fishing all night and, and we haven't caught anything. But, you know, because you're asking, why don't we take you out, take a little tour of the lake, we'll go fishing and, uh, and, and that's fine. We'll just do it. We're tired, but that's okay. And they, they throw their nets out and they end up catching so many fish that their boat begins to sink. The nets begin to break. And all of a sudden, you know, they got other fishermen nearby that are with them. They come over and help them out. And, and, and Simon has this realization like, wait a minute, this is a crazy moment because we hadn't caught anything all night. And he literally, here's how it goes. If you look at Luke 5, it says, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so much so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, verse 8 of Luke 5, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, get away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. I want you to think about this for a minute. Peter's relationship with Jesus begins with complaining. Just so you know, that's how their relationship began. We've been fishing all night. We've been out doing, for real? Like, I'm tired. I want to go home, nestle into my bed. I got a sleep comfort. I'm going to, you know, nestle, sleep good. Fishing again? I've already been fishing. And so they, they fish. Okay, now as time goes on here, uh, Jesus is, is obviously with them. They're disciples. They go out and, and Jesus teaches the crowds and Jesus performs miracles and he's discipling them. That's the whole idea of their disciple. He's discipling them. He's teaching them about the ways of the kingdom and, and this idea of who he is. Well, as the relationship continues, it turns out that Simon, who is, is Peter, um, is the first one to declare that Jesus is the Messiah. In fact, it says in Matthew 16, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked uh, his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? 
They replied, some say John the Baptist, some say um, Elijah and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus' immediate reply is, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but that was uh, th- this was revealed to you by my father in heaven, and I tell you that you are Peter. So now from Simon to Peter, and Peter is, is Petros, and it's a play on the word rock. He says, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, he's not saying the church will be built on Peter. He's saying on the truth of the rock of Jesus as the Messiah, the church now will be built. But it was Peter who was the first one to make that declaration. Now remember, they had been waiting for hundreds of years years for the Messiah to appear. I've said before that if you go back to Isaiah 53, 800 years before Jesus ever came on the scene, there was a promise given about a suffering servant or a Messiah that would come. And this is now that Messiah. And so Peter makes a pretty bold declaration. Now, as time goes on, there's there's this talk. Jesus begins to change the conversation as he's discipling them about that he must suffer and die at the hands of, of the religious leaders and stuff. And at one point he's saying it, and here's Peter who jumps in and says, you know what, Lord, I, I would never let that happen to you. I would never let you be arrested. I would never let you, you know, do what you're saying they're gonna do to you. I'm your friend, that's not gonna happen. And this is where one of the, 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 the most stern rebukes in all of scripture happens. Jesus looks at Peter and says, "Look, at, think about this. Think about Jesus looking at you and saying, get behind me, Satan. Like that'd be pretty painful. But that's what he does because Jesus says, you don't have in mind the things of God, but you have in mind the things of man. So here's Peter and he kind of blows it again. Now, he actually is with Jesus when he goes up on a mountainside and Peter and James and John are kind of the the inner circle sort of of disciples. And they go up on the mountainside with Jesus at a place where we would call this the transfiguration. But what happens is Jesus has this encounter with Moses and and Elijah. And it's this amazing moment where they see this kind of uh, sign from heaven and, and Jesus looks different than he's ever looked. It's this kind of crazy moment. Peter is the first one to speak up. And you know what Peter says? It's great that we're here. We should build shelters and and we should camp out here. And you know what Mark says? Here's what Mark says about Peter. Peter didn't have a clue what to say, but he basically felt like something needed to be said. And yet, here's what Mark says. He didn't know what he was talking about. Don't you just love Peter? Now, again, time continues on. and, And they're in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is a place where Jesus would go often to pray. And as, as the ministry is winding down and he's in the garden praying, there's a moment where the soldiers come to have Jesus arrested. And it says that as they come to have Jesus arrested, and, and this is um, this is John, another disciple, who outs Peter. Okay, Peter stands up as they want to arrest Jesus. He draws a sword and cuts off a guy's ear. And here's Jesus' response in John 18. Put your sword away. I'm not leading a rebellion. So again, good job, Peter. Way to go. You're awesome. You're amazing. You keep doing things I don't really want you to do. And then right before this moment, they're having what we call kind of the last supper 
together. They're having a meal together and Jesus is talking about time is winding down and he's going to be betrayed. But he talks about how um, he says, you know, you're, you're all going to fall away on account of me. And Peter stands up and what does he say? You know what, Lord? If all of, he, he basically throws all the other guys, the, look, they're all going to bail. I'm not going to bail. They're, they're all going to disown you. I'm not going to disown you. That's just not who I am. I'm Peter. I, I, I'm a bold guy. And, and, and you kind of see Jesus standing up and putting his arm on, his hand on Peter's shoulder. And, you know, Pete, Petey, little sweet, sweet Pete, you know, fella, buddy. Here's the deal. You're, you're actually, in fact, before the rooster crows later on tonight, you're going to disown me three times. And so there's Peter who, who constantly is wanting to do the right thing. And you get the sense that Peter always means well, but he doesn't always get it right. In fact, after Jesus uh, is, is, is arrested and taken away, there's three different encounters as you read the end of the Gospels that, that Peter does disown Jesus three times. And he feels so bad about it. Peter's kind of a guy of extremes. And he feels so bad about it that he's, he's kind of dejected and second-guessing his call and this, this sense of like, you know, Peter, you are somebody. And, you know, this confidence that, that Jesus has in Peter. And he basically, at the end of John, goes back out fishing. And as he's out fishing, and we've talked about this um, before, but Peter's back out fishing because that's what he knew before Jesus came on the scene. And Jesus shows up once again on the shore and calls out to the guys that are out a little ways and says, hey, how's the fishing? We haven't caught anything. Well, throw your nets to the other side of the boat. And you can imagine like, well, there's only, you know, a few feet difference. There's probably not a lot of fish over here compared to here, but all right, well, whatever. They throw the nets in. And once again, they catch so many fish that Peter's like, I remember a moment like this. And he freaks out realizing that's Jesus on the shore. And he jumps in the water and swims to shore. And sure enough, there's Jesus and there's fish. And they have this conversation and he reinstates Peter. Well, Again, I'm walking through the whole story here really briefly, but Peter is told by Jesus, listen, don't, don't bail. Don't go back to what you used to know because I told you you were going to fish for men. And he, he says to the disciples after he dies on the cross and, and, and raises and has this conversation, wait and, and, and pray. And a couple of things as he says them, he says, you know, um, I'm going to come back someday. But you wait and pray and be, be filled with the Holy Spirit and, and then be my witnesses. And that's exactly what happens as you open up the book of Acts in chapter 1 is that reminder. In chapter 2 is when they're praying and the, the, the Holy Spirit comes in power. And now you have Peter and Peter all of a sudden stands up and preaches an incredible message and reminds people of the power of the gospel message. And Peter is a different man. As you continue through Acts, Peter is constantly out there sharing the message of Jesus and, and reminding people of the message of Jesus. He was all about the gospel. But here's what I want you to understand. We all can realize that Peter had foot in mouth disease. Peter constantly was like getting it wrong. Peter wasn't saying the right thing or doing the right thing. And, and a couple of the disciples out him. I mean, they're like, Peter didn't understand what to say. So he just threw some things out there. And, and so here's Peter and he didn't always get it right. And I say this because I don't know if it's because him and I are wired the same, but I'm going to be honest with you. As I stand on a roof today, I don't always get it right. 
And here we are, and there's individuals that are saying, why don't you meet in the building? I mean, we can do whatever we want. We're a religious organization. There's, there's freedoms, and there's others saying, look, th- this whole thing is, is serious. We've got to be careful, and, and don't do that yet, and people aren't ready. All this stuff, and here I am going, God, what do we do? How do we do this right? And that's a struggle. And then you get the race relations conversation in the mix. And people saying, and I've been told already over the last few weeks, you're not saying enough. Why aren't you standing up? And then the few times I've said something, I've had people come back to me via email and say, how dare you get into that issue? You're, you're a pastor. That, that, that's not your place. And it's that thing where you begin to feel like you can't win for losing. And to be honest with you, as a husband, I don't always get it right. And as a dad, I don't always get it right. As a human being, I don't always get it right. But once upon a time, there was a guy named Peter that I personally find great comfort in because he didn't always get it right. And it's a reminder. And today is a day where I would say, would would you extend grace my direction? Would you extend grace in the direction of people trying to lead and they're not always getting it right? And that's not, please hear me, not a political comment. It's simply that reminder that not everybody gets everything right all the time, but but there are people that are trying their best. And by the way, I'm pretty sure if you're married, you haven't always got it right. And I'm pretty sure if you've raised kids, you haven't always got it right. And I'm pretty sure as a human being, you haven't always got it right. But that's why, just like Peter, he needed grace to navigate his world. I need grace to navigate this world. You need grace to navigate your world. But you know what else about Peter? While he didn't always get it right, he also didn't give up. And when I say that, it makes me feel proud of a guy like Peter. That you know in the midst of like, I cut a guy's ear off, I shouldn't have done that. I've never done that, by the way, just for the record. But, but, but I, I, I find that encouragement. He never gave up. But you know what Peter was all about? Peter was all about the gospel. And can I remind you that, that I, I'm gonna set aside every other conversation that the world is fighting right now and there's so much tension and temperatures are rising and all that's going on. But you know what I'm gonna always be about? I'm gonna always be about the gospel. And I want to be very clear about what that means because Peter was very clear about what that meant. He never gave up. He was all about the gospel. And the first and most important thing to always understand about the gospel is that it's salvation from the problem of sin in every one of our lives through the work of Jesus on the cross. Paul declares there is no other name under heaven given to man by which we must be saved. So when we say salvation, we're talking about saved from the issue of sin in all of our lives. Paul declares, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And and Peter was all about over and over and over preaching the message of the gospel of Jesus. And that's what we're going to be about And the second understanding, and it is secondary, but it's still important. It's just not the most important. Secondarily is simply this. Life 
through Jesus Christ. So salvation, the, the, the way made that you and I can be forgiven for every mistake we've ever made, for every mistake we will ever make, that we have a peace with God through Jesus that as we face the end of our days, as we navigate towards eternity, that, 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 that we have this place in heaven that Jesus has gone to prepare for us, that when we cross the veil from this world into eternity, whatever that's like, that there's a place that you and I have that we can have this assurance and peace that if we know our days are numbered, if we know the end is coming and it's close, I got Jesus. But don't ever, that's the most important, but don't ever forget. The second portion of understanding it is life. And it's not just eternal life as Jesus declares life abundantly. It's 1 John 5, 11 and 12. And this is the testimony God has given us life. That's that sense of, of, of grace that we need every day that comes from the throne. It's that hope that we hold on to that comes from the throne. It's that, that, that sense of purpose and, and what we hold on to in a world that can seem crazy that, listen, don't fall prey to the trap of reading all the comments on social media that get you all spun up, that get you in a knot, that get you frustrated with our world. And Well, I never knew they would be that kind of person. And you've unfriended people or you've blocked people or you've unfollowed people because you feel so annoyed about how people are handling what's going on. Don't fall prey to that. It's sucking the life out of you. You sit on your couch at home and you feel sour. You feel hopeless. You feel frustrated and you feel angry and you want to lash out because that's what your emotions are telling you. But that's not life in Jesus. Are you holding on to your hope? Do you have that peace beyond understanding? Are you navigating this world with a sense of wisdom as you anchor yourself to the life Jesus gives you every single day? See, the beauty of coming out of what Evan said last week about Job is that God honestly pours out abundantly more than what we all deserve. And he doesn't just do it going, just wait till eternity, you'll get it later. That is coming and that's the best but it's this sense of life every single day. It doesn't mean, please hear me, it doesn't mean life's always easy. It doesn't mean it's carefree. It doesn't mean everything's perfect because somehow God's on the throne and it's all, look at what happened in scripture. It's not even biblical. My daughter and I, as we're driving in today, we're talking about, it's this weird world where you and I are called to live with a hope and, a, and, a, and shining the light of Jesus and making the world a better place as people are drawn to the gospel. And yet, what we're told is in the end, everything will get worse. Like, how is it possible that God says, hey, go live for me and hold on to hope and shine my light and be a, a source of peace and encouragement to other people, and yet it's gonna get worse? Thanks, Lord. It's this weird juxtaposition that you and I live in if we're followers of Christ. But nevertheless, it's you and I living out the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus died so I could have life in eternity and life every day that I live as challenging as life can be. See, at some point a long time ago, I heard a joke about how uh, Jesus is the answer for everything. And maybe you've heard this joke. I'm not gonna even tell the joke, but it goes like this, like, you know, uh, how do we deal with sin? Jesus. You know, where do we find life? Jesus. What's two plus two? Jesus. What's the proper temperature to bake a casserole? Jesus, right? 
the answer is always Jesus. But but here's the thing. I've been in ministry for 20 and a half years as a, as a career, as a path that I chose for over 20 years now. And, and you know what? Just like Peter, the gospel has always been my focus. See, we talk about as a church, we have a code. You could say a code of conduct or, 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 or core values or however you want to say it. But some of you have heard some of these. We will have Christ-centered character. We believe integrity is everything. Without it, nothing else matters. Yet I would go, man, we, we need grace too. We're not perfect. We give up things we love for things we love even more. The church does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. We will laugh hard, loud, and often. Nothing is more fun than serving God with people you love. We will lead the way with irrational generosity. We believe it's more blessed to give than to receive. We will admit we don't know everything. We will take risks, try new things, pray hard, and learn as we go. But one of our code, and you need to hear this, we are serious about the saving work of Jesus Christ. We know the methods will change, but the message never will. Why? Because in times like this, please hear me, in times like this, we cannot afford to stray away from the understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's the reminder as we begin to wrap this up. Here's the reminder. Life is meant for everybody. And when somebody doesn't have that life, we want to help them realize it, see it. We want them to have that life. See, in, in Romans 1, Paul said this, and you need to hear this. Take notes if you're right. Romans 1, starting at verse 14. I am obligated both to Greeks and to non-Greeks, both to the wise and foolish. That's why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all that believe. He says, first for the Jew, then to the Gentile. For, the gospel, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith. Paul says it's for everyone. Peter, in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, instead, he is patient with you. Listen, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That includes the marginalized. That includes the hurting. That includes the broken and downtrodden and the vulnerable. And just so we're all very clear about this, there is no place for discrimination for those that are in Christ. Because Paul also says there is neither slave nor free, male nor free, male, Jew nor Greek. Neither. There, there's an equalizer, and that is the gospel. And it's meant for everybody. And once again, where we see people that don't have life in Christ, or they've got salvation, but their life isn't playing out in that sense of life daily, we want to help them. It's part of discipleship. Which, side note, I am excited about we're launching summer Zoom discipleship this Tuesday at 6:30. If if you want to get in on that, uh, just just send an email to info at grove.church. We'll send you the link, and we're just gonna walk through the book of Colossians together for six weeks, 6:30, starting this Tuesday. Shameless plug. Paul, excuse me, James, when he writes his letter, and he's the half brother of Jesus who became a leader in the church. He says, My brothers and sisters. As believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, we must not show favoritism. 
Then he goes in to talk about, suppose somebody comes into your meeting that, that's got a gold ring and great clothes and, and, and also there's a poor man and filthy clothes comes in and, and if you show special attention to the one wearing great stuff but say to the other one, you know, you, know, you stand over there, you sit over there on the floor, have you not discriminated against yourselves? and become judges with evil thoughts, James 2, 8. Listen to this. If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. And then he says, speak and act as those who are... are, uh, going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because mercy excuse me judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful and by the way james's quick recap of that section about discrimination is this mercy triumphs over judgment the second point i want to make at the end here is this the gospel forces us to live for others not for ourselves. And this is where, oh, if he even t- starts talking about masks, I'm going to drive away. I'm done. But you know what? Maybe it's not all about you. Maybe it's about realizing there are people that navigate our world, and if they're vulnerable, what in the world? Uh-oh. Mm. Have a great summer. There are great churches out. I've said this stuff before. Like, you know what? You can get mad. But the idea of the gospel is that we're forced to live for others, not ourselves. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, write this down. 1 Corinthians 10, 23 and 24, and then he repeats it in verse 33. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything. And Paul says, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. It all goes back to the gospel for Paul, for Peter, for James, for John. It goes back to this message of life in Jesus. And it's a reminder for you and me, man, look, if we're living for the gospel, whoever isn't living that out, whoever hasn't received it, we want them to. Then it comes back to us. The second thing is if you and I are living for the gospel, then guess what? It forces us to live for others, not ourselves. How is the gospel transforming you? How are you helping others experience the gospel? I've already said it. And you could say, oh boy, he's really begging for grace today. But let me just put it this way. I may not always get things right, like Peter. But I, and I hope we, will always be about the gospel. Because I do believe it is the answer for our world. Jesus died for us all. We all need that grace and that love, and we need to live like we care that everyone else needs it too. Father, today, that's my prayer. That just like Peter, I resonate so much with a guy who, who, who was tripping over himself over and over. A guy who Jesus looked at, and as far as I can tell, the only person who Jesus ever said, get behind me, Satan, ouch. And then a guy like Peter who 
through the power of the Holy Spirit, was able to make a difference because he anchored himself around the gospel. That the Grove Church is always going to anchor ourselves around the gospel. And it means loving and helping and serving and make a difference and shining the light and holding on to hope that people can see through us the life that we have. And it comes through not pep talks, not the power of positive thinking, not, well, we'll get through this eventually, It comes through us holding on to the hope of the gospel that changes our daily lives and our perspective. But it also reminds us that we're not here for ourselves. As we say in our code, the church does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. Help us live that out in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, I want to say thank you for taking the time to be here and a couple things to be aware of. First of all, I mentioned summer Zoom discipleship. We will continue to get get that out there. We send out an e-news all the time. We're going to put it out there on our e-news. There'll be a way to sign up because we're not just putting it out there publicly. You need to get the information for Zoom, the login and the password to to get in there. So it's happening on Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. for an hour. We're just going to walk through the book of Colossians. It's a great letter that Paul writes to the church at Colossae. So love for you to join us. And uh, there'll be a whole bunch of us walking through that together. The second thing is this, and please make sure you're hearing this. From here forward today, because it's the 5th of July, we pared it down to two services. But every week forward, what we're going to do is we're going to be doing our three services at 8.30, 9.45, and 11.15. But we're not going to have, uh, excuse me, 11, but we're not going to have our 12.15. Let me say that because I messed up the times. 8.30, 9.45 and 11, but we will not have a 12.15 gathering. So just a heads up on that, starting next week and moving forward, while we're on the roof doing drive-in, those are going to be our times, 8.30, 9.45 and 11 o'clock. On your way out, um, if you have a card to drop off, if you have giving to drop off, um, I will mention just briefly, but we appreciate uh, your financial faithfulness as we're still trying to love people and be the church and, and reach out to our community. So we do appreciate your continued giving and your support. And um, obviously you can drop Drop stuff off on your way out. You can also go to grove.church and you can click on give and um, and, and take care of it that way uh, digitally, but we appreciate it. Otherwise, follow the parking crew on your way out. God bless you. Have a great day. Have a great week. And uh, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.